0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Spoiler Show. My name is Scott Johnson. That's Justin Robert Young. Hello, Justin.
1: Well, hello, folks.
0: Yeah, good to have you here. We have a live chat room as well. Hello, chat room. Thanks for hanging out with What's us. A, a reminder that we're going to talk about spoilers here. So if you uh, yeah. if you showed we up are, accidentally. There
1: so many more ways we can make this clear. But we're going to talk about Breaking Bad, and we're going to talk about it in a way that is detailed yeah. up to the shows that have been aired, which for us, if people are listening to this after more episodes, if not the entire series has come to a close, is three from the end. We are three episodes away from Breaking Bad being done forever. That's
0: a grim reminder, dude. I don't, I'm not, uh, I mean, I, I guess I, if, if it, this is the highest compliment you could probably give to a show that I've never been this anticipatory for what's coming to finish things out, nor have I been this sad that a show is ending, ever. I don't think I've ever felt this way about a show going away. I might feel this way in the future about, say, I don't know, Game of Thrones perhaps or something else that's really caught my attention, but I've never felt quite this sense of early three episodes still left to go loss about a thing I don't even know how they're going to wrap up.
1: I mean, we got plenty of time with Game of Thrones, but I think we can start here because I think – there would be the temptation to go back and kind of talk about breaking bad as a whole. And and we can at some point, but if we can stay in the moment, yeah. I don't feel like there has been a stronger final season to a show ever than what we have seen thus far. And yeah. that's not to say that breaking bad is better than, you know, when you talk about the top tier of the wire or lost or something like that, or, or battlestar galactica for people listening. Um, because I think that you could make an argument that they might be better shows. Each of those could be better shows than Breaking Bad. But I don't think at all you can say that they finished as strong as this. Oh, this not, is- not
0: even close. You could make the we're, – we're re-watching BSG as a family and we're totally digging it. and We're having a great time with it. And some stuff holds up amazingly well and some stuff kind of doesn't. But But we're having a ball with it. And I could see somebody who is a devoted BSG fan – uh, the reinvented show, not the old one, or that one yeah. too. It doesn't matter. I mean, whatever your perspective is, is what it is. And if you love a show, you could make arguments that BSG is more important, or more valuable, or more, uh, or better, or just better acted, or whatever your whatever you're well, going to say. about like, it.
1: like like The Wire, it is, and it was. They were very much contemporaries in a in a post nine eleven world. Yeah uh but they were kind of important shows and and if you are and i'm putting important in quotes because no television show was really important but <laughs> uh, you know a show that had important aspirations and for science fiction that's really the highest compliment because science fiction has oftentimes been validated as a genre by saying hey listen we can't talk about a lot of these things straight on yeah. you know yeah. like it's hard and a bummer to talk about things like Torture, or you know, persecution of an enemy that looks like us, but we can do it if they're robots. Right. And it's like, and that's what made Asimov important. It's what made you know Heinlein important. It's what made Star Trek important, and it's what made Battlestar galactic important in an era when there was just. Uh, you know, it was it was an oasis and it doesn't really we're still there because right. nothing has been that important in sci fi sense. However, the final season kind of blows and the same <laughs> for The Wire, which everybody kind of crowns as the number one. It's, it's the one season. If you rewatch The Wire, it's the one season that you get through. Yeah. And this is not that, which is amazing. Yeah,
0: it is amazing. So we're talking. Let's let's just for some perspective, include the the first half of this latter season now you could you yeah. could just say well these these final eight or whatever it is could stand on their own as the best final season in recent memory but i think you kind of have to combine them and if you do combine them uh which i did kind of visually I, I rewatched uh some of the final episodes leading up to the to the break just to have some of that continuity i think it's even more strong like there's a oh god yeah, yeah. i mean
1: cuz we this is a a you know halfway through the season they dispatched with maybe the most scene stealing character on the show, which was Mike. Yeah. You know the idea that that uh you know we would see. I mean, I think really what's amazing about Breaking Bad and where it really hit its stride, which is pretty much once those crazy Terminator Mexicans died. Um,
0: <laughs> I like the. I know a lot of people poo poo those two dudes. I think they were great. I like that a lot. I know they didn't say anything. I know they were kind of. Tropy in their own way, or whatever. They were these very
1: very (laughs) one episode of the X Files. You know, and it's funny because I saw you comment that, like, watching BSG, you can, there are times when you notice very clearly, oh, this is a guy who wrote on Voyager. Yeah. And there are times in Breaking Bad where Vince Gilligan, who's a former X Files writer, and especially with those guys. And like how Gus Spring died and stuff like that, yeah. that you get a sense of like, oh yeah, this guy wrote X-Files episodes. <laughs> right. He
0: was a big deal on X-Files. There's absolutely no question about that. And it's funny if you, speaking of BSG, you look at Ron Moore's work on DS9 specifically, and then compare yeah. like all that uh, emissary, freaking wormhole religion bull that was going on, and take that, and you literally overlay that template on top of a lot of what BSG is in the first couple seasons. And you basically have the exact, the exact same kind of story uh, yeah. being told. So: He
1: wanted to tell that story.: He did, and, and he he found it's cool. The it's right cool. And to it's do. totally yeah.
0: fine. and Vince Gilligan wants to tell some of this stuff in that way, and again, I'm totally cool with that. I mean, if you had to pick of the seasons I don't know There's stuff in there's stuff in three. That's really powerful though, dude. It's not all oh, robots. No,
1: no, no. no it, it's really, really good. And I guess what was the problem with the, with the Terminator twins was that this is a show that very, it never shies away from going over, but always has its characters grounded in the ideas of like, these are real life monsters. Right. And in, in the way that you know, the X-Files very much dealt in literal monsters of the week. Um, he wanted to do kind of these cartoon characters, yeah. you know? And, and that was where it was like, it was weird. Cause it was like, Oh no, but like Gus is a monster. Like Walt is a monster there. You know, Saul in his own way is aiding and abetting the fact that these people are going crazy and destroying lives and getting away with it. And it, it is, it is so soaked into the fabric of this community that it will never go away. And that's terrifying. Not, Two mutes who, uh, you know, <laughs> just oddly sort of walking around and killing people every once in a while.
0: Yeah, you're right. The stu- yes, and I, I'm glad you mentioned that thing about Saul. Something I wanted to say before we got too deep into this thing. And before we talk about the news about Saul's spinoff, uh, which a lot of people are hoping we discuss a little bit. But yeah. Saul is a different kind of bad. In, the way, in this way, he's almost worse than everyone involved. Because like you said, he's aiding and abetting. But he's also... Yeah cheap. He also yeah. hires terrible henchmen who are just terrible. He's like, he buys the cheapest suit at Walmart. He doesn't go anywhere else to get his suits. Like he's that kind of guy. So there's that. And I don't mean cheap in like, Oh, you should spend money if you're any good in this world. No, that's not what I mean. I mean, yeah. his cheapness directly affects the, the terrible things that go on in this world around him. He's also a coward. Yes. Uh, and I, I honestly, he's one of those guys where I'm not entirely sure what his motivation is in the end. I'm not his totally sure. To
1: keep being Saul.
0: Okay, great. And that's
1: it. Great. Like yeah. he, everybody else, if it came down to it and like, the thing is he can't go to the police because then that would stop him being Saul. Right. You know? it, what, what is amazing to me. And, and we can get back to it. We'll talk about the idea of the spinoff, but in that first episode, When he denies to, you know, or does not give Walt the chance to work with him, Jesse kidnap him and they have him at gunpoint. And he immediately starts begging and pleading <laughs> about a situation that it does not involve Jesse or Wald right. uh, and then realizes that they are not the murderers from whatever Mexican cartel he <laughs> found himself on the wrong side of, and is relieved that it's somebody else who has a gun to his head <laughs> and is threatening to kill him and you know begins to talk, you know, very business like turkey. Yeah. Like that's that's who he is. Yeah. Like this is not the first time he's been in a situation. No. Like what Walt is it? No, and he yeah. will
0: float. He will float terrible ideas. He'll, he'll like, in this particular half season, he is the one that initially floated the idea of offing Jesse. And when he did it... Well,
1: first, first offing uh, the brother.
0: Oh, right, right. Yeah,
1: I forgot uh, about that. You're right. First offing Hank, and then offing Jesse. Yeah,
0: and he'll do this. He'll do this in a way that he'll do it in code... Like what's the, what was the code this year? Send him to, send him to Belize. Belize. Yeah. That's it. He'll do it in this code. He'll do it in this way that just says I'm not going to do it because I'm a fricking coward. Yeah. But this is what oh, you should that, do. No, and if you disagree not- with him, he's going to, oh, go, okay. No, I'm just, you know, I'm bit, bit. like, I know people like this, not, <laughs> yes. not, not murderous people perhaps, but they, I know people who he's think a relatable this way. slime ball. Really and is. really, and
1: that's, you know, what a, what is amazing on a show that has gotten as cartoonish as it has or can, every all the characters are relatable. You know, even even at the various stages as they've evolved. Uh, you know, the Walt is now a very different person when he is specifically when he slips into his kind of Heisenberg persona yeah. than he was when we first met him. But, you know, the megalomaniac who looks out only for himself, relatable. Yep. Jesse has has always kind of maintained, if anything, he has sort of continued to reveal his vulnerability, which we are drawn to. But we know guys like that. We know people that are probably a little bit smarter than they let on and, you know, get in their own way and they touch. but ultimately they have kind of a heart of gold. Even Skyler, who, you know, has been the hectoring wife at the beginning, yeah. uh, You you feel for her now. And I guess really what's amazed me about this story is that Initially, I think the idea was, the premise was to people watching it, not necessarily to the creators, who I think had a fuller concept. Um, this is a guy doing whatever he needs to do to, uh, to, to keep his as he faces this medical situation. Right, right, yeah. And then we kind of all realize, no, like, that's a lie. And the fact that we went there is even shows our moral failing yeah. <laughs> that we would look at that as a as, as as a legitimate thing to do and we would think about rooting for this guy as he becomes more and more of a monster and now you look back at behavior in the first you know season and a half two seasons and you're like not wow look at this woman who's beating down her poor husband but she knows this dude what was she keeping in check
0: yeah you know,
1: what what was maybe she was right all along to continue to browbeat him and keep his confidence at a lower level because when this dude is in full plumage, you know we see we see what it is now, but also there's that shady idea of like so why did he leave that firm that like wound up making billions of dollars and right. changing the world? right? you know it was off a, a, you know, a big fight, but also there's like there's like these hints of like betrayal and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, there's okay. more. There's more to it, but it, you're right. There's this tendency. That's, I think, why it's so relatable. There's a tendency with all these sorts of things where you'll deal with somebody on some level. Like I don't know, you're you're getting new insurance or something, and you're talking yeah. to an insurance agent, and he glances over something. And your head goes, well, wait, that was awful quick. You just sort of tiptoed right past that. (laughs) But I'm going to go ahead and let that go because I don't want to stir the pot because my self-interests are don't stir the pot or this guy's not going to give you the right deal. Now you don't trust him. So those kinds of real life kind of boxing matches you have mentally when you're dealing with people. Oh, yeah, on display in in some of the most ingenious ways on the show. And you're right. It's only in sometimes it's only in that perspective of do you remember Skylar season one and now freaking look at her. This is a shattered, weird direction. Her life has gone yet. She's still telling people to have an A1 day and there's still a piece of her that wants them to. There's still a piece of her that like, you know what? This car thing could work out for us. This is awesome. Maybe we'll just ignore the rest. And now she's to a point where she's like, I think you ought to off Jesse. Because
1: Well, because now she has kind of evolved totally into Lady Macbeth. Big time. Now yeah, she's just time. totally in on it and she's like, Hey, listen, you want you are the one who brought us into this uh you know, we just gotta do anything to stay alive thing. Yeah. And like we've already gone to hell. Yeah. Like why why not continue to be in hell?
0: Yeah, we're in hell now. What's the difference? Yeah. Let's just make what's hell less exactly. uncomfortable or, or whatever.
1: As she said, what's one more?
0: Right. <laughs> dude and the way she said it so okay i mean i i I knew this would happen that our conversation about this would be less about spoilers there'll be spoilers and there already have been but it's more about honestly the awe i'm in at how they're pulling this off and i i I go back and i think all right well i saw her in deadwood which i really liked a lot i loved deadwood she She was great in that and i saw him and malcolm in the middle and seinfeld and a bunch of other stuff and you know what he was damn good in all those things too in a very comedic way and who knew he could do this? And that was all the surface talk going on that. Oh, man, dude, can you believe that Brian Cranston's capable of? Blah, blah, blah. But I never once did you ever hear anybody talk about those shows and go, you guys, because of his performance, Malcolm in the Middle is the greatest comedy of all time. Yeah. Nobody said Deadwood was the greatest drama of all time or even the greatest TV Western of all time. Nobody talked in those ways.
1: Can we not say that? But I feel they, you I think that. he could
0: say that actually. But yeah. but so it's a bad example. But um, although I, well, eh, never mind. I there are moments, and I know it's provincial and old, and 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 a different. It's a different vibe, but there are moments in Gunsmoke that were pretty badass. But that's that's the old guy and me yeah. talking.
1: But here's my point. That
0: is, yeah. Here's my so point. Come on, let's I, I be <laughs> honest. I feel
1: that like... was a, that was a that was a, a commercial for Fringe Jacket. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, fair enough. But I I. I look at this show and I go, people are saying this is the greatest drama of all time. They're saying these are the greatest performances of all time. You got little sheepish Vince Gilligan who sounds like your southern next-door neighbor who's like just needs to borrow some relish on a Friday night, (laughs) making one of the most hard-hitting things ever seen, and then you listen to him on his podcast. You're like, that can't be the same guy whose brain produced, A, this initial concept, and B, runs that writer's room and yeah. poops this out every week. Like I don't know what's going on, but there's a perfect storm of something happening that doesn't happen on other shows and you can't point to just one thing. Brian Cranston is great. He's amazing and he elevates the content. So does Aaron Paul, so does everybody else. But he's but but he, it's not just that. And it's not well, just that Vince Gilligan no, made a cool story or that the casting's great. It's something else and I can't put my finger on it.
1: I think part of it's an evolution and it's going to lead to a question about this final season. But what is part of it is we are in a golden age of television and and it kind of has has bloomed to a point where now, I mean, we look at multiple just amazing shows and swing like Tarzan from amazing to amazing show and they continue to pop up and these performances now outclass what we look for in the movies you yeah, know like yeah. now an amazing career turning performance is more likely to happen on television than in a movie which is just very odd but part of it is that you've seen an evolution toward almost a more systematic way to make these these shows and you've seen a super tight writer's room Whereas before, and, and still today, there are plenty of shows that the writers, and, and you see it a lot, and listen, the science fiction fans, we can all attest, that you see just a lot of people that, they have a, show, they have a job in the writer's room on, on the new sci-fi show because they used to write for TNG. Right. You know, right. and they just, and, and they look at it like the way that people who used to write dime store, pulp, science fiction novels looked at it. Just, you know, put a laser in a guy's hand, saves the girl, and we're done. Right, you know right like and they just churn out stuff that's not the case with a lot of these television shows like mad men breaking Bad, a game of thrones and sopranos and stuff like that and specifically what's been different for breaking bad is that they even took that idea visually because even all these other shows like sopranos and mad men and stuff like that they all they their stars direct episodes and everything which is not uncommon but it's because it fits into this visual style Mm-hmm. you know right that's not the case with breaking Bad. no shows each episode will will visually swing wildly the likes of which i don't think we've seen a show that's had this much praise and it's attracted guys like ryan johnson ryan johnson who is a about as good of a and as is, is intriguing of a movie director as there is working
0: yep
1: directing he's gonna direct the movie, the show that's gonna come up on on sunday right and it's like that's amazing, and and it looks like it. It looks more like a Ryan Johnson movie than any other episode of Breaking Bad, Right. which is amazing that they're able to keep a quality consistency while having things look so differently.
0: Yeah, it now, doesn't bo- normally that would bug me. Um, yes, and it doesn't bug me at all here. I don't find a pro- at times
1: it has because I'm actually I'm a huge I do not like the fly episode that oh, he directed. I like the
0: fly episode. Why, does, why episode, does that, you know what, this is, you're going to speak for a lot of people here. A lot of yeah. people don't like the fly episode. So lay it out. Why?
1: It felt to me like fan fiction, not even necessarily how it looked, but it was just, it just kind of, and I understand why they had to do it. It was a budgetary thing. They had to shoot one episode that all took place in one location because they didn't have the money to shoot on other locations. It had to happen. They did the best thing they could. But it felt like as if you and I were going to we loved Breaking Bad and we're like, okay, this one, he's really pissed off about a fly. What would he say if he was pissed off about a fly? And he'd yell at Jesse. What would Jesse say? I don't know, whatever you say after that sentence, put bitch. Like uh, This is a fair felt- this is a
0: fair point. I get where you're going. But I've always been a fan of that like kinda it's a Star Trek thing where they'll have an episode in one season. We were like, well, what are we doing here? This is a dream sequence the entire time. Or this is one episode yeah. where Riker is hearing voices and we can't tell why. And at the end, it, it, in other words, completely non-typical piece of experiment, you know, experimentation going on. And the episode like where Picard um, lives 25 years in the span of, you know, it lives a lifetime in the span of 25 minutes or whatever it was. Yeah. Is one of the best, coolest, award-winning episodes of Star Trek of all time. But it's that pattern of like, all right, we're going to do this weird one-off. It's going to be this weird thing. And so for me, the Fly episode falls into that category, and I kind of like it.
1: I mean, I guess I would almost prefer something crazier. Like, I would prefer something even crazier than than what they did than just like, this crazy two-man play. Well, like he where, bonks his
0: head and has like a, a, you know, the old animated Christmas special thing that Community yeah, did. Like it goes all
1: yeah, Rankin Bass or whatever. You know, just uh, all the claymation figures. <laughs> that would be
0: awesome, dude. All right, I'm with you. I go crazier. I'm a play yeah.
1: figure, bitch. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to the Island of Misfit Toys. Yeah. I'm not your bitch, Mr. Claus. I
0: would watch that over and over. So, yeah, maybe uh, you're right. Maybe Crazier would be better. I don't know. So,
1: anyway, so, I mean, but that's that's what... And listen, it's not necessarily that I... You don't have to love every single episode or something that you love as a whole. But let me ask you question. Is this season possible or probable unless it is preceded by the disappointing final seasons of The Supreme The Wire, Lost, and Battlestar. Oh,
0: that's interesting. That's an interesting point.
1: Because everyone's giving it a lot of credit, and it deserves it, because it's knocking it out of the park. Right. But don't feel like people are saying, yeah, but what if this one went first? What if... We
0: we still have three episodes to see if they do it wrong. So let's see what they do. And I'm
1: I'm not saying they will. could be... Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul in German fart pornography. And it's the best It's better than PSG. Like there's nothing. There's nothing that could make it not as good.
0: You had me a German fart pornography. Um so so okay, fine. Let's let's say they do it, they totally pull it off. I'm saying you name me a season, and I don't mean a show that was ended prematurely. Name me yeah. a show where the last season did hold up to, to the standard or did hold up. to to being as strong or stronger than the rest of the series. And I can't think of one.
1: Friday Night Lights.
0: Oh, yeah, FNL was good that last season.
1: Friday Night Lights. Number one, it pulls off what only (sighs) I think The Wire was kind of able to do before and just turn over a massive part of their cast into new people. And, you know, one of them, Michael B. Jordan, who plays the new quarterback in the final two seasons of Friday Night Lights, uh, is you know he might be he's likely going to be nominated for an Oscar this year. You know they, they really lucked out in terms of the talent they got. And yeah, yeah, that show's amazing. You know, oh, right? and it ended well. It ended uh, to a point where I'm almost like I'd like to see a movie. But uh, if if they didn't do it, I don't like. If they did it, I feel like you would just need to tell a totally new story because that story that ended the third or the the final season of Friday Night Lights was so good and yeah, so complete. I'm with you. That Everything. was
0: one of the best shows ever made, and that's probably as close as I could come to to a perfect final season. It was fantastic.
1: Um, it was really good. Everything built up well yeah. and, and you know, ended it in in an interesting way. And then, you know, you have the big... I mean, oh, jeez, Are we are, I don't know if we uh, the, people got in for a Breaking Bad spoiler cast. I don't want to say how, how it ends in terms of Friday Night Lights, but right, right. it's great. Yeah,
0: it's very good. You'd spend you'll, your time could be worse spent than sitting down and watching that series in its entirety. Although season two was kind of poop, uh, I think the rest of it was great. I think. T-
1: oh yeah, yeah, and that's the writer's, the writer's strike. You know, but other than that, yeah, no, it was season is garbage. Yeah, get, get let's just season. put
0: it this way: it's not the first time Todd uh, killed somebody the other day. That's all I'm
1: saying. <laughs> Yes! Yeah. The Vigilandry storyline! I totally
0: <laughs> forgot! Yeah, that's the worst thing ever. I hate that storyline. Um, but, okay, real quick about Todd. Can we just talk about Todd for a second?
1: Oh, God, so good. So
0: Todd, Vince Gilligan called him uh, Opie Hitler, which I think is a pretty yeah. appropriate description of who this kid is. And I feel like, as this this is maybe prediction time, but I feel like as we've gotten closer to the end of things here... Todd will play a more pivotal role than we all thought he might. I think there's, I think Todd has a huge I mean, part in whatever our, this thing does.
1: He's already playing if, if you know, for, to bring people into where we are talking about this in this moment in time. Yeah. Waltz and uh, Hank and Gomi and Jesse are in the middle of a massive firefight, you neo Nazis where Todd is awkwardly pulling the trigger on his handgun yep. uh, on top of a four or uh you know, a four wheeler. So
0: and those other that, two guys, a dude from Justified, can't remember his name. He's not on Justified anymore, but um yeah. he was hater
1: on Justified, yeah. Right?
0: He's great. Holy crap. Uh, both those yeah. guys just re- they remind me of the worst possible white people I could run into ever in my life.
1: <laughs> Terrible.
0: Terrible oh, people.
1: You know, they give they give whites a bad name. <laughs> they, re- they really do. You know, One not of that we have trouble, but no
0: they're they're there to do it if we need it
1: the resume the long distinguished resume (laughs) of white people who give other whites a bad name so
0: here's here's a question i want to lay out for you that i thought would be interesting to to hit on the show if you had to pick and this is very spoilery so it fits the format here if you had to hit the most hard-hitting moments on the show to date what would be like your top you know three or four that are the most hard-hitting all the way start with the lowest to to the highest what is the up till now what is the most hard hitting? say what say again
1: Do in top three or we just yeah say top
0: three let's say top three.
1: I mean the biggest kind of oh shit moments in in what is like a a, a show predicated on building up to them. You know I think tension wise, the and really I guess what has made the show special isn't necessarily that they rate they ratchet that tension because Lost ratcheted that tension that high if not higher. Right, it's the resolutions. Sure, because they always kind of have a super clever resolution to stuff,
0: and the it's usually something pop- you don't predict, which is another power yeah. the show has.
1: The two that pop to mind are, uh, in chronological order, the moment when Walt and Jesse find themselves in the RV while Hank is banging on the door, uh, and they and they figure out that you know Walt figures, you know, it comes up with the idea to uh to have Saul's secretary uh call Hank and tell him that Marie is in the hospital. Oh right. That um, was good. But that was that was a heart in the in the throat kind of moment. Yeah. I forgot about um, that. Um that uh as well as uh Gus the Gus uh thing and then also maybe that first uh, that first big showdown with, uh, Tuco. Oh, the um, Tuco.
0: yeah, the Tuco out in the desert and the, the, no, no,
1: I would say the, the negotiation where he throws the, uh, the, the bag of explosives.
0: And oh, right. Blows out half that building. Right. Blows out half that
1: building. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That was intense. Um,
1: those would be three moments where it's like, I have no idea where they're going to go with this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. um, and and the the gust thing as cartoonish. I understand where people dig being cartoonish with the whole like side of his face blown off, right? Um, like he's wily e. coyote. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like he's gonna come out and be like, "It worked perfectly." <laughs> um,
0: I love that scene. I won't lie.
1: I love it, but also it brings so many tensions to a head yeah. and resolves them in yeah. one. Moment and and you know, we got that episode was just such an amazing send off to uh, you know, the uncle and and to Gus, and it was just it was it was great, and also to see Walt just kind of turn into like this absolute complete lack of morals animal. Oh my gosh, to up a nursing home and to recruit this other person who is. By any account, a horrified human being to do his dirty work and to convince him to kill himself if it meant killing Gus.
0: Yeah, that was intense. I remember I call that the um, that's that's Band-Aid Nose Walt. That's the version of him that I like the most. I think it's the most intense, the most scary. When he calls his wife, she's over at Hank's house and tells her that he's taken care of. He has the look on his face on his face of the most evil triumph, triumphant look on his face. That's that's the quote, right? That that I won. Yeah, he won. Yeah, I won. And she she doesn't look like he won. She looks like this is the beginning of the end. This is the beginning of the worst part of my life right now.
1: But I guess that's what I kind of feel like we're getting closer to the idea that she always knew this was there.
0: Like,
1: not this specifically. Maybe she never saw. She would, you know, if she were a, a mentalist, if she, you know, she would not write down on the uh, the White Stock card drug empire. Right. But like, him being a terrible person, I feel like she knew that was lurking in there. There and was she had something in there, something yep. That yep. it would not rear its head in the way that it had in the past.
0: Yeah. Well, for me, my top three most gut-wrenching, surprising, and kind of mentally uh, altering moments for me were probably the first, first one that really got to me, really got to me for some reason. It really showed what he was capable of doing. If he wanted to win so bad. And that was letting Jesse's girlfriend choke on her own vomit and die. Yeah. That was rough for me. Um, I don't know why I think it's something it's it's probably something in and me where played,
1: played by the show. Oh yeah. To see that character kind of become who she was and also uh, like the, the couple scenes before be the ringleader mm-hmm. for like, you know, I will bring all of this down yeah. and I'll call the cops if you don't give Jesse his money, Yeah, you know, yeah, like, and then just to have him make that decision was amazing. And to
0: stand there and just that look on his face of, I don't know. There's a descent to madness kind of thing happening there. That just really got me. So that bugged, that didn't bug me. That just blew my mind and still bugs me though. Still, still haunts me. Um, number two, probably the confrontation with Hank this season in the, in the garage was something special. And part of it was this little reminding voice in the back of my head going, you realize that they didn't, to drag this out Scott. They literally went in the garage the very first episode after coming back and he literally is confronting him in the garage about what he's done. Like this is yeah. happening now. There isn't any kind of oh, dance around the issue and he's still not sure and doesn't have the evidence. No, 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 no. He's admitting it right there and then. Without truly admitting it, but really It was almost
1: like it was almost like a Steve Jobs keynote. It was like we we got all this great regular television discussion, you know, with two characters and then it's like, "Oh yeah," And one more thing. <laughs> yeah. And like, boom. Yeah. But all of a sudden, the 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 door, the garage door comes down. And it's like, yeah, no, this is happening right now. Yeah, it
0: was on. And it, and it broke all my expectations. This isn't normal TV. This isn't what other shows do. This isn't what other characters try. This is like getting straight to it. And now you're still going to give me seven more episodes of this? This is great. Keep it coming. So that was awesome. And then the biggest, probably most affecting moment for me was, if I had to put it on top of the list, it'd be the death of Mike Trout. Um, that really got to me because a, I think he's the coolest character of the show ever had. Uh, I think that he provided, uh, in a weird way, kind of like Jesse, Jesse's a more frenetic way, but in a, in a, in a real way, Mike was a weird moral backbone to the show. Like he kind of represented, um, I don't know. There, there were, par- there were parts of that he had some humanity to him that may have been erased out by terrible things he did, but in the end. That dude cared more about his grandkid than he cared about anything else. Yeah. That guy cared about loyalty more than anything else. Like, he just, to me, he was a moral compass. And to have, and he was strong. Which is bizarre fun. for a hitman. Yeah, that, very, very weird.
1: No, we are looking at as a moral compass. And I agree with you, because you got to connect with on that level. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's, there's an element of... You know, in in as, as bizarre and weird as the idea, like the kind of honor amongst thieves and family first and, yeah. and that kind of stuff, from with, with Mike. And what I love the most about, and, and I would say the moment in the garage is one that very much feels to me like a, if not a meta TV moment but a moment that is aware of television that a television like this, that has come before it, that it's like, we understand that every other show doesn't have this. So that's why we're going to put it here. Right. You know, and I love that moment. Similarly, when Walt, you know, shoots Mike that, uh, you know, he has that moment. as he finds Mike sitting, you know, like a, like a loyal dog waiting to die away from society um, that he has that that quip as if he has just been you know texted by by red threads that are emerging on the television without <laughs> pity message board that he didn't need to kill mike that there was another way to gate those names yeah. and he apologizes to him <laughs> and Mike's just amazing parting shot of just shut up and let me die yeah,
0: shut the f up and let me die and that that was so powerful to me because they're, they're, the biggest part – I think the part that got me the most is this is Mike who is stalwart, strong, and stands there and will face will stare you straight in the eye. And there's, yeah. a, there's an honor to that. He's an honorable – if you can call it that, there's an honorable killer instinct going on. And so yeah. it's the difference between him as a guy who will stand there and look you in the face and not back down. And then there's Walt who is basically a frenzied cat in the corner. Yeah, and frenzied cat in the corner got lucky and got one shot off and took down the stalwart honorable guy. And for me, that was a moment where I went, "This is just how. This is how shitty." And the way Jesse puts it is great, and how lucky Walt is. Yeah, he has this dumb luck that is so bad for everybody. It's so bad, and I and I I got which is, which my-
1: is funny that that's where the characters have gone to describing him yeah. and not un you know I don't think like, untruthfully. About a cancer survivor. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, or about somebody who, who got cancer and has a son with MS. Like, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, or we got crazy.
0: janked out of a job at an awesome firm where he got, you know, he Which we been,
1: don't know. And that's, right. and that's what I think is like, I feel like this is one of those moments, like at the end of Until Dawn, when you, when you will pan out and eventually you will see that this is only the tip of an iceberg. You know, or the tip of a of a pyramid that has has been set in motion long ago. That uh, I would think that by the end, at some point, you know, maybe maybe it's or maybe it isn't. But like I imagine that there's he's not a good guy, and he's never really been a good guy. He we found him in the most pathetic state he might ever have been. Yeah, but that does not make him the good moral compass no it does not make him somebody that was ever good even in the first frames as we pity him that he was ever a decent human being
0: well that's what makes him so bad it's it's yeah. not it's not that he there is no two-dimensional villain who's monologuing around while there's a laser pointed at your crotch this is a guy who yeah. who has all the nuance of somebody who may or may not have some semblance of of right and moral uh, choice or whatever, and he just never exercises. It's all in service of one thing, and that's himself. That hat, and, and, yeah.
1: And really, it's it the likes of which they have even really seen. Like Tony Soprano was still the protagonist of his own story, right? You know, we still rooted for him to not get caught by the cops, right? We might have rooted for him at the in the in the last scene to die when the show was ending anyway but we did not want him to necessarily suffer. Right. Uh, what's amazing about Breaking Bad is that, especially through the first half of this season and really the back half of the season pre- uh, before it, Hank becomes the protagonist. Mm-hmm. And it's very clearly that we're just spending more time with the antagonist in, uh, in, in Walter White. Yep. And, and it's, it's funny to see how they've almost pretty up hank in these last couple of episodes yeah that you know by showing him you know, like so so what if jesse gets killed mm-hmm. you know yeah. like we, we've we seen him be a little bit more human but up till that yeah. you hank and like the worst thing you can say about hank is he's a meathead you know he's he's a bit of a goof but like He's, he's, uh, you know, th- this dude all but finds the Maltese Falcon. You know, he's like, he's a great detective.
0: <laughs> yeah. No,
1: you're right. I don't I suck it, Bruce Wayne. The world's yeah. greatest detective is Hank.
0: Is Hank? Yeah, totally. And it it's just, I think he's just in a place where you've taken, he has gone here. There is no other where, there's no other place to go. And that brings us to kind of current. They're in a situation right now where they're in the worst firefight you could probably ask for. Uh, you know, Walt had essentially turned himself in. He's out of ideas. He's got nothing left. And Hank could drive off with him and d- we're done with this. But nope, those other clowns show up. There's a huge yeah. firefight. Gomez is in the middle of it. Now here's the part, this is the part I want to zero in on. Hank just got off the phone with Marie. And he said to Marie, I might be a little late tonight because I caught him. They have this joyous moment together because they're both like, you know, their lives have been disrupted in a way that, you know, Almost ruined. They only really have each other anymore when it comes yeah. to this. His job is probably going to be jacked up no matter what the outcome is. Like, there's all kinds of issues that are going to come from this. But here's this one moment where they can say, "We got him. I have him. I'm going to turn him in. We're going to start this process. I might be home a little bit late," which is a major, major projection. Like when I heard him say that, I went, "Oh shit!" That's when yeah. you say that. When you tell her that, and you tell her you love her, Vince Gilligan, you're telling me that something bad's going to happen here. Oh,
1: dude, this, this, that reminded me so much of the finale of the first season of Lost. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when they're on the boat sawyer and Jin and and Walt are on the boat michael and walter are on the boat and uh all of a sudden mc gainey you know rolls up in the uh in their in their motorboat and they're all exciting and high-fiving and jumping up and down and the half is playing and then it's uh mc gainey we're gonna have to take the boy, yeah. And then, uh, oh no, no, they, they were celebrating too hard. Kong Kong
0: or whatever it does at the end. I, yeah. I, so I. So here's the. I want to just get predictions here. So, a lot of people have predicted that uh, Hank is going to be no more. Now, I don't think it's go. I don't think it's this simple. And I don't think Vince Gilligan spends an entire series doing things you don't expect to then, you know, uh, broadcast that he's telling his wife he loves him and having this final conversation that's going to be so painful later. That is too rote for this to happen that way, I think. Something else happens here. Hank has something else to do, but how likely in your mind is it that this very next week we end up with an episode where Hank is not with us anymore?
1: Well, alright, but let's also preface all of this by saying that we know certain things because we flash forward right. at the beginning. Right. You know, where we, now, we know that Hank is, or sorry, is alive, yeah. that he has been living in what we believe to be New Hampshire, and that he is now coming back to, Arizona, or to, to uh, New Mexico with guns guns blazing and ricin in palm yeah. to, to deliver what we assume to be vengeance to somebody. Right. Um, which has been another brilliant element of this season, is that it keeps building us to these moments that accept as endings to the series. Yep. You know, like Jesse dousing Walt's house in, in gasoline and lighting it aflame. Like you could, you could understand that would be a fitting final episode Yep. or a final, a final image is, you know, Walt and, and Skylar and Walt Jr. Watching their house burn to the ground. Yep. You know, um, totally agree. Or this scene in, in, which is like, you know, a a a noose away from the good the bad and the ugly you know yeah oh, um yeah. With just a, in this amazing tense day and then all of a sudden this firefight you could see that being the end but they keep they're like we know it's not because we know that eventually these characters get to this point to your question i agree they probably if if hank was dead in that desert they probably would have killed hank on screen um what happens after now is something that is, is a big question mark. But it would not shock me if in this next episode or the episode after that, we all of a sudden just go to the narrative of future Walt. Oh, um, wow. Future Walt. Maybe that's the last we see of this narrative here. And now all of a sudden we leave Is Gomi alive? Is Hank alive? Is, you know, who is he going after? Then that these final three episodes, two episodes, or one episode is just telling that story.
0: I hadn't considered that at all. I think that's actually kind of, well, first of all, it's interesting. Seems like something they might do and would probably work uh, in the show's favor um, than just doing the standard, last time on Breaking Bad, we were in the middle of this fight. Now let's finish the fight. Pew, pew, pew. Bang, bang. Oh. Looks like Todd's uncle's dead, but uh Zippy over there from The Justified and Todd are okay. And oh yeah. they got Hank in the leg. I don't know if he's gonna live. You know, like we I'm almost disappointed if they just give me that. I don't want that.
1: Well, I want, yeah. I, I mean, I want listen, something we, else. I
0: don't know what it is. Built yet.
1: Faith, we've built faith in this storytelling that like whatever they do, I'm I'm it. Yeah. Like, they're smarter than me. Uh they're going to do something awesome. They make great television. I like to watch the television they make. Yeah. Um but that being said, you know I think we yeah we're going to take turns here, uh, but I don't think that this ends this ends well for Hank. I believe that Hank's phone call to Marie is the last smile he will have.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay, that's big. That's big talk. It doesn't necessarily mean he's out. It just might mean
1: it could mean that he's tortured. Could mean could that mean he's dead. Could mean yeah. a million things. But I, I think. That was almost, that was Fitz Gilligan kind of giving his character that if, if just for one moment, yeah, he got to tell somebody that it happened, you know, which also, did you watch The Wire? Did you ever watch The
0: Wire? I haven't yet. Still on my list of shame. I've been meaning to forever. That, I think that's what I'll end up doing like shortly There's, after this airs is, is yeah. catch up on that thing and watch the whole thing in a couple of weeks or something.
1: There's a lot of, of, uh, we got really close. Yeah. <laughs> um. And that's something that, you know, it very much reminded me of uh, he Hank was kind of taking a page from the McNulty school of maybe fist pumping a little too early.
0: Right. Yeah, that definitely was happening. Well, all I know is this. When I think about how I think this next episode will resolve what we just saw last week, my brain is drawn to moments in this show's history where I went, what the hell is going on? And I'll give you examples like when the twins, the robot twins you don't like, Terminator twins. Mm -hmm. in that beginning of that episode in that small Mexican town and everyone's crawling and then they get out of their fancy Mercedes and start crawling. Yeah. And all this crawling's going on and I don't know what's going on. I'm like, what are we doing? What is this? This is weird. And then, you know, there's cuts back and forth and you go, Oh, okay. It's, it's Tico's freaking memorial thing and I get it and blah, blah, blah. They do this every time when they were cleaning out the pool, and there were guys in hazmat suits, and there was a stuffed animal in there, and pulling out plane parts and all that. I'm like, which, by the way,
1: that was a moment that really, as much as we are praising them for being masters of dealing with audience expectation, that was among uh, it was a big blow. Like audiences were furious, and like that, you know, I was like, what? Season a year, I've been dealing with this, like. You know, why are people at the pool? Like, you know, finding all this evidence and everything, and it's it's a throwaway. I love it. Literally, a a Deus Ex Machina. I love it. I love it. A machine falls from heaven.
0: To me, I to me that's that's one of the strengths of the show. I'm dying to find out why is that house so condemned? All the neighbors are fine. Why is that thing so gutted out? Why is it such a crack house? Why are there so many kids skating in the pool? What the hell happened there? Like, that's a total. I mean, yes, sometimes these are totally MacGuffins. I don't care, dude. I eat that up. Every season's giving it to me. Why is he in his underwear with a mask on in the middle of the desert in the first season At the first part of that episode? Yeah. I couldn't wait to find out, and I never was right as to why, and I wasn't in any of these other seasons when Q blew up that plane because he couldn't get over the death of his daughter. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, he's indirectly responsible for this airline going down. Like All of these things are, the to me, that this is the meat and potatoes of why I love the show. So I... To find out why he's got hair, it's these many years later he's got an M fourteen in the in the trunk and he's back at his crack house. Cannot wait to find out what the hell that is. Like where is he? Who's around? Is Jesse still alive? Is that ricin for him? Is he really taking it to poison somebody? Or is there some other reason? Like I, I, I know that I don't know.
1: Yeah. I really don't know. True. All right. Let's let's uh let's go over the uh the future all right. Of, of, of the Breaking Bad universe. Better Call Saul yep. announced as a go for for AMC as soon as they get the deals with uh, Kirk done.
0: Yeah. Now, last uh, time last time Vince Gilligan had a chance to do this, I just want to remind people that's when we got the three gunmen,
1: the lone, the lone gunmen, gunman, sorry. And I think that was Chris Carter, right? Or well, it was it
0: Chris it was Carter, but show. Vince was Vince had a big deal, had a big part in that spinoff. He
1: was the showrunner.
0: Yeah, so I would just say that I I will just put out there for the record, I was a fan because I was ready for anything they threw at me because I loved the X Files and I wanted this spinoff to be good. I don't think it was good tonally. It was so different. My only concern here is. You have to imagine a, a show surrounding Saul and what Saul's up to, and even if it's a prequel, and even if we uh, cool things happen, like Mike gets to come back and work, do work for Saul, or if we have more stuff with Gus or Kuby and he will become much more interesting characters or whatever. Even if that's all true, tonally going to be a different
1: show. It is going to be a different show, but here's what I think it has going for it. And if we're going to talk about The long, run, there is a very good case to be made that that show was never really given a fair shot, not only because of how quickly the, the hook came on it. But remember, their first episode, which was set to debut a week after nine eleven in two thousand and one, was about terrorists taking a plane into an American building.
0: Oh, I forgot about that, dude. Uh so it it was just a curse show. I totally forgot about that. Yeah.
1: You know, like it was it was a, a you make a case that it never really got the shot that it, it deserved. Yeah. Also at the point that that show came out compared to The X-Files, yeah. I mean, we had already done the Jason Patrick season of The X-Files. Like, you know, we'd done a movie. That universe had been mined for pretty much all it was worth right. before we got another, you know, before we got, you know, somebody else there. This is the show going out on top. And also, it's very rare that you get to I think really has the chops like Bob Odenkirk to be in the show. Right. You know, it's like, it would be like if Mad Men was done and they're like, Oh, well we want to do something just about Roger Sterling. it's like, that's a really strong actor. Like that's an actor that could probably center his own show. And Bob Odenkirk, I certainly feel like can center his own show. He is in fact, Mr. Show. Yep.
0: (laughs) That's true. I totally agree. How quick do you get a, uh, David Cross, uh, cameo? Do you think?
1: I feel like that's it. Would almost be, I don't know. You want to see it, but also it's like once you put the two of them in the same room, <laughs> you're expecting a different thing than what I think you would want to get. That's true. Uh, uh,
0: Los corrects me in the chat room. I just want to get this right. That the I guess the thing with the guys crawling in the Mexican town is a is a worshiping ritual, and that's all that is. But I thought I thought the whole point was when they went in there, it was like a shrine to Tico or something. Didn't I, don't
1: I have that right in my memory? I, I mean, I remember there is the the Heisenberg thing too. There's like the Heisenberg drawing.
0: So. Oh, right, because they want to get they put that in there as a way to uh, bless this drawing that we'll find it and freaking murder him.
1: Yeah, uh, murder in our it. silent,
0: non-speaking manner. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, anyway, sorry, didn't mean to pull us back, but but,
1: but yeah, no I lone mean, gunman, so- maybe or
0: not lone gunman. <laughs> freaking Saul, better, call Saul. better I mean, call Saul. Even the title, all right. So even the title is totally different. Here's yeah. what I'm really hoping from it, that uh, it's fine to be totally different. That's great. Let's bring, but but let's do that if it's truly a prequel. Let's not have weird references to, hey, Jesse's in high school and uh, Mr. White's oh, teaching. Yeah. No, don't no, no, don't no. do that. Stay away. Not interested unless it's a weird have to pause the frame to even notice cameo or something. That's fine. But bring Mike back. Have Mike do some cleaning for you and some hits and whatever. I know he worked for Gus, but he also worked for Saul on a couple of occasions. because I mean,
1: yeah, We don't know. We don't know how much. So, I mean, like, cause remember Saul knows, we don't know whether or not Saul even knows us through Mike. Right. You know, cause remember Gus is a guy, he knows a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy. Right. And uh, eventually gets to, it gets to Gus. So, I mean, yeah, I think there's an opportunity for to really, really sp- Cool people to make them a part of it. Uh, the idea, Saul as the central character, leads to kind of a more uh, episodic series where, you know, maybe each week he's with something kind of different, you know, or right. at least it gives you the chance to sort of do natural bottle episodes like that. And it's like, I'm sorry, listen, all right, this is a larger issue, but I'm kind of tired of people. Oh, you're going to ruin this thing. You're going to ruin it. Then don't watch it. Okay? <laughs> you want to know what? Like, the world is not in charge of your pristine memory of something. Right. It, that world does not owe you the ability to not ever see anything that you don't like. Agreed. Like, I want more stuff. I want more of everything. And I'm willing to live with the, with, with the Star Wars people if, if they happen. Right. You know? That's right. fine. Right. Say we sucked whatever they're not part of that series to me right they're terrible and they're garbage and i hate them
0: yeah and you but, choose not to see them
1: yes but it's like uh, you know, i was disappointed when i saw them because i thought they could have been better but does that mean i, w- I would have been happier if they were never made no right. i want everything i want i want children to to reenact all of my favorite movies and tv shows and books in schools yeah I will see that because I like it. Entirely like agree. That.
0: Entirely agree with this. Yeah. It is, I, this this mentality, I believe. Well, the, here's the problem, dude. The older you and I get, the more we have matured out of the time where you and I might have also been a-hole trolls on the internet. And yeah. everything looks really stark in relief, and they're all 15. And it's really hard to convince a 15-year-old that your stupid blanket statement about why Better Call Saul is a bad idea, you can't convince them otherwise because they're – like- you know, they're stuck in this weird notion. They'll get older and they'll too go, Oh, well I do. I also want more of everything and I'll take the bad with the good. And that's what we're up against. It's not an easy fight.
1: It's like if they were like, Oh, let's do a Jesse prequel show. I'd be like, well, they're really going to be inventing stuff Yeah, because they're going to make Jesse. Jesse has become, he has like found this world, but he was a low level drug dealer before, you know, like, like a lot of interesting stuff. Again, when we meet Saul, he's at the point where he fully expects the gun, the mask, with guns to his head to be somebody else. Yeah. He has multiple people with masks on and guns to his head that are a likely scenario for when we meet <laughs> Walt and Jesse. He's leading an interesting life. Yeah. There's a lot we can deal with here.
0: And stuff we've never even heard of. There's stuff that they would write fresh for him. It's, it's a really fertile field for him to do stuff. So here's what I'm asking for. If that's successful, great. Yeah. Here's the next show I want. A three-camera laugh track sitcom with <laughs> with Skinny Pete and Badger, I'm telling you. It'd be a huge oh. hit.
1: <laughs> Which, by the way, I kind of feel like, especially now that the season has kind of gone the way that it's gone, and, and it looks likely that we might not see Skinny Pete and Badger again. Yeah. Like, I, it kind of makes sense that they gave them... They gave Badger that whole Star Trek monologue. Oh, you know? is it, is it
0: amazing? If that truly is their swan song, it's the big coolest thing they could have done for and those
1: guys. Yeah, we got it. All right, that's great. Yep. You guys nailed
0: it. We don't need to kill you. We don't need to have you be a big part of this anymore. Jesse doesn't need to see you again. You've done all you need to do. There's yeah. There's the door, Skinny Pete. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what happens to those guys. I don't know what happens to a lot of these ancillary characters, but I'm most excited... Uh, probably for a, the resolution of this series and then B to see how they parlay this, this kind of goodwill into whatever they do with Saul. And, and also I just feel like I'm in a different place than I would be say 10, 20 years ago where if you said to me, Oh, Hey, we're doing a, we're doing a spinoff of Alice. It's called flow. Yeah. And don't worry. It'll be absolute dog shit. And we're also going to do, Hey, Dukes of (laughs) Dukes of hazard fans. Guess what? Enos is getting his own show. It's called Enos and it's terrible. Um, like that's what you expected back then. We live in an era, like you mentioned earlier of TV, that this is a real possibility for quality. There's a real chance, not just a half ass chance or a hoping chance, but a real chance they do this right. And I have more confidence in that than I ever have before. They don't really do that anymore. It's a rare thing to do spinoffs anymore. The last successful one I can think of that was truly successful was probably Frasier. I can't yeah. think of another one. Um, They've all sucked, pretty much. Not all, but you know, I'm sure there's yeah. other examples. But most of them are terrible. This has feet, and this has you know smart people behind it. And if if Gilligan's truly going to show run or whatever, he's gonna, I don't know what his role is. I mean, you still I still don't even believe he's the guy in charge. You listen to him talking. He's like, well, I just want to take a minute now and just thank those man, those catering people over there in that Albuquerque, blah blah blah. <laughs> they're just the nicest people I've ever met. And you're like, D- are you? You're the guy who's giving rice into a kid? Like, I can't even yeah. imagine it. Yeah. So whatever, um, I'm excited. You know, totally pumped.
1: Since we're ending on such a happy note, I'm remiss to even mention that when you look at the the track record for genius showrunners, yeah, like David Chase, what has he done after The Sopranos? <laughs> How about Chris Carter? What did he do after X Files? Garbage, Holmes. <laughs> How about uh? Uh, what's about Ron Moore, huh? Ron Moore of the circle of Yeah.
0: Hearts
1: in an old warm pool. Um, <laughs> so it's not great, but let's hope that, that Gilligan bucks the trend and he is the, the genius showrunner that can be genius after his opus.
0: It's a good point. I'm trying to, as you were saying those names, There there have been people who have spun out of those projects, Gilligan from X Files, for example. Uh, yes. Another good example would be dude who does Mad Men came yeah, from Matthew
1: Wiener. Matthew Wiener came from the the Chase family tree. Yeah. By
0: um, the way, by the way, Matthew Wiener, fifty bucks courthouse, change your name to anything normal. Just get the Wiener, drop the Wiener. Um, but yeah, he it, carries it though, right? Matthew carries the Wiener, right? He does, has, it really does.
1: Because <laughs> he, he like he he's like yeah no look at me I'm New York writer Matthew Wiener suck it.
0: I hear a lot of critics say Weiner so i don't know if they're trying so they to fake it. it okay that's what i thought but so so he he would be bucking a trend if this works um certainly others have tried and failed i i don't you know i've seen uh
1: well, well chase i mean he wrote that one movie but like that was pretty much it you know a lot of people just kind of shy away from even doing it but i'm 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 excited to kind of get back on the horse and i think of all the spin-off possibilities i mean i'm way more excited to see this than I was to even give Caprica a shot.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. There's no question. And I kind of there were things I really liked about Caprica, but um, it was no BSG. Let's put it that. No, way. I mean my
1: favorite part of Caprica was it getting canceled. It was
0: <laughs> terrible. <laughs> uh, well, there were moments, but you're it was no BSG. You're not. No, you're it not was wrong. just
1: like I mean, again, it was like it was like Halloween. Like they were dressing up in like the the super cheap plastic costumes that you know you would get at toys are us and it was just like look at us we're bsg oh no i wonder somebody's going to talk about the pyramid games yeah. and somebody's going to talk about various other stuff that we've heard wink yeah. wink it was, the, it
0: was the it was the of sci-fi for sure there's no it question was. about it um all right ladies and gentlemen thank you for joining us for the spoiler uh, show uh breaking bad in stores now <laughs> Go, yes. go check it out.
1: We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the final three episodes. Oh, right? absolutely.
0: We'll do a follow-up, I think. I think it'd be important to get to the end of this and then come back and, and touch on it again. Uh, if you guys like what you hear and you want to hear more, it's send us emails.
1: Important. It's really the word that I would like to describe our opinions about television. Of course.
0: Shows. Very important. It's I mean, seriously, we're we, are we doing the Lord's work, dude. <laughs> right? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, So all hail, Lord Lord Zeus.
1: Look (laughs) at your ears when Scott and Justin discussed television criticism. Yeah,
0: that's right. Uh, Thank you guys for joining us, Scott, at uh, frogpants.com. You can send your feedback, your questions, your suggestions of things you think we ought to be spoiling here on this show. Uh, Also, make sure you leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love that. It's uh, the spoiler show on the Frog Pants Network. You can search for it on iTunes or you can find us at frogpants.com. Uh, Justin on Twitter, Justin R. Young. You can find me at Scott Johnson. That's going to do it. Justin, thanks so much, man. A bitch. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time for another spoiler cast. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com.